When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. My guest for this episode is Rebecca Jones. Rebecca has over 30 years of experience in management leadership. Her diverse and broad experience includes business administration and development, as well as construction and project management, including resource planning, staffing, finance, and safety. Rebecca is a true entrepreneur. She founded a company called SafeWorks CM. The company provides construction management services on large public projects with the emphasis on service. She has led the company to success by using her unique brand of effective organizational development, solid business planning, and innovative marketing techniques. The development of a service approach to construction management and long-lasting business relationships have been her key focus since the company began. She was recognized for her success in the construction industry when she entered the Construction Management Associations of America College of Fellows, recognized as a pioneer in the construction project management profession. That's all, that's all the formal stuff. That's all the formal stuff. <laughs> the rest of my int- introduction is to say the following. Rebecca and I have had the, well, uh, the, the, the pleasure, I think, on net, the pleasure of knowing each other since 2009. It seems like a much longer than that, and in, in, in only in good ways. I consider her to be a, a friend. She was my boss for a period of time. That was uh, an enjoyable uh, little, little stop on my journey. But uh, the thing that has endured and, and, and really grown, even, even did a little bit of growing just in the last few months, is our friendship. But she's here today because, uh, because she knows a lot about the things that I talk about with great passion. And I think uh, all of you will enjoy listening to Rebecca. Rebecca, welcome to the Softest Steel podcast. Well, thank you, Dennis, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. You're welcome for the introduction, uh, but I have to say that most of the words were stolen from either your website or some other source. <laughs> uh, so they're, pro- they're probably all good and truthful words. What I said to you at the end is really the most important thing. And I think the other thing I want to say to our audience is that you'll learn in the next little bit of time that when they talk about this person being a pioneer in the construction industry, uh, it has more than uh, a single meaning that might allude to, to materials and methods. And we'll, t- we'll talk about that during our conversation. So, Rebecca, again, welcome to this podcast. Thank you, Dennis. I look forward to talk- speaking with you. So, Rebecca, you, you not only read, but you, then, you, then you very graciously, I hope, in, uh, with a good, good use, read my book, Soft as Steel, which this podcast is Absolutely. named after, uh, yes. and you liked it. I loved your book. Well, thank you. And so you know that over the, the span of my career, that one of the things that's always been of interest to me is the people part of our business. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I know you feel the same way, and that's, and that's one of the reasons uh, that you've been as successful as you have been, uh, as you know how to get to know people and how to build relationships with them. So what I, I want I to just spend our time talking together just to, to, to really kind of just let you, let you tell, in a sense, tell your story. I think that the listeners will enjoy that. Again, this is the Softest Steel podcast, and it's in the front row seats, if you will, of the audience are filled with people in the construction industry. 
Yeah. But I believe that, that when you read the book, one of the things you commented on, as many people have, is, and that is that this whole notion of soft skills uh, being the qualities, attributes, uh, the, uh, the uh, manifestation of in- individuals' values is really, really important. It doesn't matter what industry it is. And so I think that was a comment that you, that, that you and many have made. So with that, with that thought, talk to us about how you've had in your mind and your heart uh, this notion of of uh, of how how I'm seen by people uh, in, the, in in my business environment, other places, and how I've gotten to know people over many years, and uh, and in particular, talk about uh, if you can and will talk about the fruits of all your good efforts in terms of long lasting, uh, long, and from a business standpoint, very successful relationships that you built. Wow, I, I hope I can remember all of those things I'm supposed to talk about. I'll do my you best. Will. I started the company in 1992, coming out of a construction management firm that I'd spent two years at. And while I was at the construction management firm, I learned a very important answer to a question that I had, which is, how does this business work? I was new into the business. I had an MBA. I'm not a technical person at all. Not an engineer, not an architect. I can read plans though. (laughs) And I thought, well, how does this industry work? And I soon found out it wasn't so much the technical aspects of it because all the companies were fairly equal technically. It was the relationships that people had with their clients that were important for the work that they were doing now and the work that they would do in the future. Even though we work in the public sector and we have to propose and give presentations and such, it really is how you relate to the person across the desk from you, from whom you want work. So I was given an opportunity and jumped on it to start my own business as a woman-owned business enterprise in California. And I realized that I knew a lot of the players already. And what I did was foster the relationships that I had with them. I don't mean that I sent flowers on their birthday and candy on anniversaries and Christmas gifts and all of that kind of stuff, because number one, if you work in the public sector with federal money, it's not far allowed in an audit. And number two, it's been done. So what I soon found out, it was how to make them, whoever they were, your client, your teammate, your prime consultant, how to make them the hero of the story. And that's what I did. I'm not the hero of the success of safe work. They are. My employees, my business partner now, my clients, my friends in the industry, they are the hero. So, That begs the question, how do you make them the hero of the story? You find out what they want. You find out what their values are. You find out where their hearts are. For example, if you're helping a school district rehab schools for students, for the most part, those folks are interested in the kids, whether they're high school or college or university students, most of the people in that industry are interested in making that experience great for the kids. 
So once you figure that out, you speak that language to them and you have to mean it. So your value becomes the kids too. And you speak that in everything you do, whether it's from a casual interaction before a proposal comes out to the language that you put in a proposal to the language that you use in every meeting. You merely reflect back to them with sincerity, with truth, that your value is the same as theirs. There's an immediate connection there. It's not really that hard to do once you figure out what their values are, what they think is important. And to me, that is the biggest soft skill that I've used in the 30 years of this business. You give to them. So, Rebecca, you know, the obvious, at least to me, the obvious question to ask is, why doesn't it seem like more of us in the industry get that? You know, I thought about that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm happy it's not more than us, than us in the industry. <laughs> oh, it's, so you're so you're talking about competitive <laughs> advantage then? Don't, don't forget, I'm also an entrepreneur, and I like to make money, <laughs> and I like to win. Um, um, there's various answers to it. Let me let me answer. Let me let me tell you what what from my heart what it is. I have been doing some reading lately and trying to understand how things are changing in our uh, employment environment now with a new generation, two generations, or three generations all working in the same environment. And in the olden times, when, when I started, the idea was that you dropped your bags when you came to work, your bags meaning your emotional bags. You drop those bags, you put, on your, you put on your business suit, you put on your business pantyhose or slacks or pants or whatever you were wearing, and you marched in, and you were all business all the time, and that's how you related to people. That's a comfortable place for a lot of people to relate from because you're not very vulnerable there. It can be all business. You can talk about dollars and cents. You can talk about projects. You can talk about plans. You can talk about scope. You can talk about claims. You can talk about all these wonderful technical things, and you never have to talk about yourself or understand anybody else. It's easier for some people, and I get that. I believe your question was, why do you think that more people don't have that same kind of approach that we have? And I have been thinking about it, and I think that Uh, Number one, it's habit. Number two, I think soft skills come easily to some people and soft skills come harder to Uh others. We, We work in a very technical environment with very technical people. And yeah, yeah, uh, no, that's, that's, um, you're right, I guess, but I think one of the, the the way you phrased it earlier, you, you talked about, Oh, gosh. Uh, I love the way you said it. You know, you know what I think it is, really? I really think it is that people are used to being the hero of their own story. And they are. But in the case of this business that we're in, and in fact, I think any business that we're in where you have clients, it's not your story that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. It's their story. 
And so in order to be a responsive consultant, a responsive individual that's now in their story with them, that you think about their story. Because honestly, isn't that what we're being paid for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 used, I, I say about our business and all businesses, regardless of what, what uh, industry, that every business, whether it's a product or a service, mm-hmm. is in fact a service business. And the people you serve are your customers. Yeah. And, and so that's why, as you say, their story is the important story. Uh, and the only way that you can learn what that story is, is to engage with them, is to talk with them, is to ask them questions, is to demonstrate interest, mm-hmm. is to uh, make sure that you understand what, they're, what, they, what they need. You know, wh- why are they talking to us as service mm-hmm. providers? They're not just talking to us just to fill time. They're busy mm-hmm. people. So I think, I think you're, I think you're you know, mm-hmm. absolutely correct in that. But I'll go back to what I said earlier, you know, the same way or a little bit different. Even to this day, it certainly as I encounter people in the construction industry at various levels from in, in various parts of the industry, including uh, the, the, the section of the industry, which I continue to find fascinating. That's the, the, whole, the whole union and union, unionized construction part of our industry. But as I, enca- mm-hmm. as I encounter in particular, mm-hmm. in particular, individuals of my generation, our generation, and, and in particular, further, men, they're, they're still looking in the rearview mirror. They, they still think that the, that they're, they're, the behavior that wins the day is tough, direct, and not particularly interested in anything but, you know, getting the job, getting it done, however, however that gets accomplished. And not really being, you know, at least in a, in a visible way, that concerned about the issue of you know, if I'm going to do business with Rebecca for you know, maybe I'll be doing business with her for years, I, I, I need to who, I need to who she, know who she is, and the only way I can do that is to is to learn what her story is. What do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a that's a loaded question. You know, it's in, it's interesting because I got my start and was helped by men mm-hmm. throughout my career. So there are men in this industry that get. Mm-hmm. What I wanted, the story I wanted to do, you know, my story in terms of building my business, I was helped along the way, not so much mm-hmm. by women, but by men. And, and, you know, it's because when I started, there weren't a whole lot of women in, in the industry. There were a few of us and we tried to help each other, but we were all scrambling. You know, we were all trying to make it good. Um, I think, I think, uh, I think it's more of a, people thing. I think we think it's mostly men because there are mostly men in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, if there were mostly women in the industry, would we still have this problem? I don't know. Um, I think we would have different problems because that's just people. We're imperfect at our best. But in this industry, uh, yes, there are a lot of men of our generation that are looking in the rearview mirror that say, oh, I remember the good old days when you could go out and tell somebody to blank off and uh, yell and scream and beat your chest and the job would get done and then you'd all go have a beer afterwards. Is that true? Mm -hmm. I guess so. I don't know. But I also think it's because we are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. That's what they learned. So what we're looking at is really a shift, and to use the, the trendy expression, a paradigm shift. 
maybe in how we approach work and how we approach business. I know mine is and yours is, Dennis, very service forward, service to our clients. And our clients can be you know, our employees and the people that pay us and the people that pay them and mm-hmm. on and on. I also think that it's not common in a very male-dominated, very masculine male-dominated industry to show caring. I remember once um, somebody asked me, why do, you, why do you work so hard? And I just looked at, it was a man, and mm-hmm. I said, I love what I do. I really love it. And he looked at me and he said, I'm just waiting until retirement mm-hmm. so I can play golf all day. And I filed that away, and I thought, okay, he's unhappy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't love what he does. So when I go to see him, I make sure he has no problem. Mm-hmm. If he has a problem with an employee of mine, I take care of it. If he wants to gripe, I listen. I lighten his load for the day. So maybe he doesn't hate it so much. So he likes to see me and he'll give me work. It's really simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so simple. Yeah. It really is. I was going to say I have another example in, the, in our business. We spend a lot of time with other people. But do we really spend a lot of time listening? Really listening to what's going on. I think that's important too. Because when you're talking, mm-hmm. theoretically, you can't listen. That's, that's known to be, a, I guess, a biological fact. So I think we listen. They are the heroes. And quite frankly, I was thinking about this before we started, before I jumped on, that we treat everybody else mm-hmm. the way we want to be treated. So if we're treated, if we were treated badly, my, my thought is I will not treat mm-hmm. somebody else like that. Now, does that mean I just lie down and roll over and let people walk all over me? No. It means I just don't deal with them if they do that. But it's a different game for me. It was a different game. It is a different game. In some areas, in some negotiations, in some projects, it's all out heavy-duty competition, Mm dog-eat-dog world right now. Mm -hmm. It is. And can they win? You bet. Mm -hmm. They can win like that, too. Sure. We've got examples of that all through our industry. Just in the long run, I don't think it pays off. Yeah. In the long run. You mentioned, uh, just incidental to you, talking about your company, you mentioned, rolled right off your tongue, a woman woman-owned business enterprise. You were probably one of the first mm-hmm. in the construction industry. When I started my company, there were mm-hmm. three of us. Three, three are of us. are, are the it. other two still three. in business? Um, one of them is not. Mm. One of them is. One of them is okay. not because she sold her business. The mm-hmm. other one is still in business, yeah. So when you, when you were admitted yeah. to the uh, College of Fellows at CMAA, no doubt, which, which is, again, a very male-dominated college of fellows, after all. It, it's not a college of fellows and gals. You know. Yes, they're... Yeah. That, uh, although no. <laughs> there, are, there are at least a couple of other women in that college that would probably uh, 
be intrigued with the idea of getting the name changed to the College of Fellows and Gals, just to try to get a little, <laughs> a little, a little bit of humor in there. But, but I, you know, I think yeah. uh, there. So, sometimes when you talk to people about, um, you know, when when you talk about you being a woman-owned business, that's that's uh, that's something that makes you different than other businesses. Um, because it's it's it, and so yeah. it, it kind of moves us into another topic area I want to explore with you in the form of these questions. When I say when I when I say something like diversity, what is that? What does diversity mean to you? Mm-hmm. I'll make it very personal. Diversity to me means when I walk through the door of SafeWorks CM, I see everybody that's representative of all the people in California. So I see people of Hispanic background. I see people of Asian background. I see black Americans. I see women. I see men. I see every religion that I can possibly see represented. I see alternative lifestyles. I see the diversity that is the population that we're living in today. I see that when I walk through. That's what diversity means to me. Yeah. I see everybody. And how do you see them? What is it, when you say you see them all, you see them for identification purposes or dem- demogra- demographics, what does I see them mean to you? It means I see them as people in the company. That I'm honored to have them there. I hope they do well. That everybody will be given mm-hmm. an opportunity in safe work, mm-hmm. no matter what color you are. I don't like anybody being singled out for they get more than somebody else because that I think that breeds separation as opposed to diversity. So we've got, we've got everybody there, everybody. And what it means to me is opportunity for everybody. That's what it means that everybody gets a chance. Mm -hmm. Not everybody makes it because it also, it doesn't do away with the fact that you have to be of value to the company as well. There's no free ride. Well said. When I say, when I say that, uh, when I ask the question, what's one thing that you and I have in common with each other and every other person that we meet in our lives, what's your first thought about that? One thing we have in common with every person we meet. That if I needed a heart transplant, I could mm. get one from anybody. That's a, that's that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, I like that. When I ask that question to an audience, um, particularly a smaller audience, sometimes the people will immediately blurt out an answer, and so the answer would is the first words that usually come out is that we're all human, which which is a good which is also a good answer. And I, my mm. response to that is, yeah, I guess I guess looking around the room, I'd say that's probably a pretty safe bet. But what I'm looking for. And I think this, and this is something that, that is implied in how you answered the question about diversity. What I'm looking for is the fact that something that we have in common with each other is that we're different from each other. So, we, so we, what we have in common are differences. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's both, that immediately when you say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, th- the problem is that differences, uh, at least on, the, on a broad base, continue to be a reason for problems. Differences between people create problems, mm-hmm. either in the mind of the person who wants to have a challenge in dealing with someone who's different or someone who feels like they're being t- treated mm-hmm. differently 
in a in a non equitable way. But the idea is, you know, so what do you, what's your thought yeah. about differences being something we have in common? What it should, what it what it does and what it should mean? You know, I the answer we're all human. That's a good answer. That's the politically correct answer, of course. I went directly for heart. <laughs> Hopefully you don't need one. You're, you're, yeah, I'll oh, go. You're, yeah. And you're yeah, a heart. Okay. No, I don't need one. I don't need one, and I'm not taking yours either. So, But, you know, we are all imperfectly individually human. And what makes us the same is we both have imperfections in our humanity. Yeah. That's all. You may be, you know, have trouble with certain types of people. I know I have trouble with certain types of people. Uh, I think everybody does. They remind me of, you know, ex-in-laws or something, and you have trouble with them or whatever. But um, I, I think what we're seeing, I think what I'm getting from you that we're seeing is the lack mm-hmm. of tolerance of differences. Yeah. That's what I see. That's what I see the problems are. The problems to me can all come down to this one core fact is I have no tolerance for anyone that is different than I do, and I'm yeah. going to remove them from my presence. Yeah. And, and I, I uh, you know, we could opine for days on where that mm-hmm. intolerance has come from. But I know in my ancestral background, mm-hmm. it's been around yeah. Yeah. forever. So one of the thoughts in terms of how, how I've tried to, to construct this experience of our having this conversation is to make it evergreen, meaning that this, somebody could you know, find this podcast you know, two years, five years from now and listen to it, and they would still benefit from hearing our exchange today. Mm-hmm. Do you think if we rolled forward two, three or four years and, and, the, and the question was, you know, when you think about diversity, what does that mean to you? that we'd get a different kind of an answer, a better answer? Uh, I think we're going through a period of rapid change, and there is resistance to it. I can only go back to my experience, so I will tell you a little story. Absolutely. If you don't mind. I like to, I like to tell stories. Oh, I do. I'm Irish, too, you know. <laughs> uh, so one of the first, pre-proposal conferences I had to go to, and that is a conference that's put on by the agency, of course, to tell us all about this proposal that's coming out. It was at the airport here in Los Angeles in their beautiful meeting room uh, that was actually the boardroom, and you went in, and it was stadium seating, so you came in at the top, and you could look down to where the board table was. And I walked in the back, and all I saw was a sea of Mm. black suit coats. Mm and male haircuts. That was it. That was it. Fast forward 28 years to today. And Mm -hmm. that has completely changed. You mentioned CMAA. When I first went to CMAA, it was like 90% male. And today there is, and and let me, let me be Mm -hmm. blunt. It was 90% white male. And today we have representatives from mm-hmm. everywhere, every color, every religion, every national origin, every lifestyle, you name it, it's there. So what I think is the one thing I know that won't stay the same 
is what we're seeing today. That will not stay the same. Three to five years from now, I hope it will be better. I think it will be better. Because what I can tell you right now, I guarantee you mm-hmm. it won't be the same as it is today. What's the, what's the role of, of construction industry leaders now and going into the future to benefit the industry as a, as a place for people to live and build relationships and hopefully enjoy success? What's, the, what's their role? I think that they're the leaders of this. It's interesting. Now everybody's talking the talk use that phrase. Everybody's talking the talk. You know, when the Me Too movement started, Black Lives Matter started, all of a sudden everybody was popping up on LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter and their websites with the latest and greatest of how they were proposing to emphasize women and Mm -hmm. African Americans in the industry. To me, that isn't leadership. That's pandering to the latest trend. Maybe if they said Cheerios mattered, they'd hold up a <laughs> Cheerio box on each, you know, each website would have a Cheerio box. I think it's incumbent upon the leadership of our industry to set the example, both within our companies and also with our clients. I think it's important that we are sincere in what we do and that we put our money where our mouth is too. That means internships. That means looking really at what your, what your workforce is made of. If it is heavily weighted one way or another, do something about it and show by example. I mean, words, we all talk so much. It's actions that will make this change happen. So I think it's incumbent upon the leaders of our industry to take action in a thoughtful, well-planned out way that works for Mm -hmm. their business as well. Because I want to make perfectly clear that we cannot forget the business aspect of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. When I, uh, as, as I travel around and talk about soft skills, I, I'll say to a room full of, of superintendents and foremen uh, that I'm talking to you about soft skills, and I know some of you are getting irritated. Uh, I said, but I'm talking to you about them because who you are and how you are with the people that you work for, that you work with, with your customers, um, that's all about your qualities that you need to convey to them through what you say and what you do. And if you can do that, then you're going to be more successful. If you can't do that, then things are going to eventually become very difficult because people, people at the end of the day mm-hmm. want to have people around them uh, that they like working with and working for. That's, that's, where, that's where soft skills come in. And they will kind of adjust their view a bit uh, because then I give them the punchline. And the punchline is the reason I'm talking to you about this and the way I'm talking to you about it uh, and having you do things like a disk behavioral assessment to get some information about yourself and all these other things is because all these things contribute to the bottom line of, of the business you work for. You know, so again, so don't, That's so I'm right. not just a mushy, gushy, soft skills right. guy, folks. You know, I'm an accountant by education. And I tell them, I'm an accountant by education, so I understand numbers. 
And I understand that that if if people are uh, are in a, an environment that they're more satisfied, if they're being treated in a more respectful and positive way by the people that they work for, that they are going to tend to be, guess what? More productive. They're going to be more productive. They're going to be happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to be feel like somebody's just kicking them in behind all the time and not not having any regard for my feelings or for what's going on with me that is affecting my ability mm-hmm. to, to concentrate today. Whatever those things are, that's all the world of soft skills. But it all ends up rolling right to the bottom line. Does that make sense to you? That's right. Absolutely. It goes to the bottom line in terms of repeat business, goes to the bottom yeah. line of retention of employees. Those are the two things that are so heavily affecting our Mm -hmm. industry right now is the attraction and retention of employees and repeat business from clients. And all the mergers and acquisitions in the world will not take the place of of the soft skills needed to conduct business because it does all roll up to the bottom line. You know that I one of my mentors is a guy named Steve Farber, who wrote who appeared twice before CMAA. Once when I was there, and once uh, after my departure. You know, St- Steve wrote the book The Radical Leap, uh, and in that book he has three phrases. He says, "Do what you love, in the service of people who love what you do." Talk to me about love, what it means to okay. you. <laughs> well, you know, I um. I love what I do. I love being an, entre- being an entrepreneur. I love changing people's lives. So love to me means to leave this world a little bit better than it was when I came. That to me is love. That to me is service. That's purpose. When I look at everybody, both in the company and outside the company, even if it's a really tough day, I really try hard to push love forward, to have love for that human, for what they're going through, for their human experience. And I like, I loved when Steve Farber came and talked to us because you could just see the room just reeling back when he Mm -hmm. said, I love you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember that. And Mm -hmm. I thought, you know what? He's right. Mm -hmm. He's right. And that has changed uh, in in my in my little corner of the industry, it's been interesting for me to say to even to mm-hmm. people in the company, I love you. I love mm-hmm. what you're doing. I love mm-hmm. you. You're just tremendous. And I had one guy say that that lifted him up mm-hmm. so high. Yeah. He felt like he could do anything. So to me means that making the world a little bit better place than when you came in mm-hmm. service to others. Beautiful, beautiful. Rebecca, yeah. it was a too short a conversation in this formal setting of, our, of my podcast, but I know that when people listen to, to your words, it will inspire them because they're coming from a person who has used things like love uh, and caring for people as her operating style and building a business and doing mm-hmm. it uh, and starting it at a time when it was, regardless of what anybody might, might say, it was challenging. You seized an opportunity to start that company. Yeah. You were in a, in, a, in a relatively safe place at Kreitzberg and O'Brien, I think is the name of the firm. 
O'Brien Craigford. If, if they're both still alive, then yeah. they'd be mad if I got it backwards. So I apologize to both. I apologize to both of you. <laughs> and you gave you gave terrific credit to men uh, for what they did for you and, and things you learned from them. But it wasn't the same men. But it was mm-hmm. it was hard, 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 and you stuck with it because you are an entrepreneur. You weren't trying to prove to anybody anything other than then you could be build a successful business and you've done it. Mm-hmm. So again, your your uh, your cred for people that will listen to this uh, this podcast is high, and my caring for you, you is high. I, I love you very much, you. as you know, and thank you for being on my podcast. And I love you too, Dennis. Don't ever forget it. I won't. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Steel Podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Softest Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.